saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a Fantasy NBA Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Rep Bauer, and today's episode is going to be a little bit different than usual because I am recording this while I wait for my wife to go into labor. Um, there's a lot of things that have to go into preparing for a third child on the way and recording a podcast was not at the top of the list, if you can believe it, but we're here regardless. And so, uh, I'm probably not going to have time to edit much of this. So if you hear some inconsistencies or me messing up words, stuff like that, just bear with me for one episode and then we will be back to, uh, as edited as I can get without making it sound too bad. Um, I just spend too much time editing and don't really have that time right now. So before we get started talking about Western Conference Stock Watch, I want to point everybody over to Sports Ethos, where I wrote three pieces about each division, the Northwest, Southwest, and Pacific. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there, a lot of in and out, up and down, buy, sell, hold. A couple teams in there, obviously Utah and probably the Lakers are incomplete on their grades, but most of it is still very, very applicable. And I spent a lot of time on that. So please go check that out while you're there. Check out our updated dynasty rankings. I know most of you probably already knew that they were out, but we added a hundred players up to 350 updated, all the blurbs added like 40 to 50 rookies from this past draft class and made a bunch, a bunch of changes. So check that out as well. Let me know what you think. And our next episode after this one will be Travis and I talking about our biggest ups, downs, biggest differences, and just some guys that we want to point out. So starting with the Northwest division, we are going to start with the Minnesota Timberwolves and a couple of guys on there that I want to talk about include of course, Jaden McDaniels, always going to talk about him, untouchable in a Rudy Gobert trade, apparently, which is, I mean, that's how I would treat it, but I'm surprised to see the NBA treated the same way. Um, and then Jalen Noel, uh, there, there's a thing with consolidation trades. When a team consolidates and sends six players out for one, the players that are left over automatically get a boost every single time. So Jared Vanderbilt goes out, Malik Beasley goes out, Jaden McDaniels bumps all the way up. Patrick Beverly goes out. Malik Beasley goes out. Jalen Noel bump him up too. And so those two guys are just going to get more opportunity and more minutes with that opportunity. So it's not just going to be, they get more opportunity in the same uh, role that they had last year, but it's going to be increased minutes, increased role. And those are guys that I want to be tr trying to acquire in dynasty and leagues, a guy who was left over, but probably not by like, it didn't sound like it was that big of a, um, concern for the wolves is D'Angelo Russell. Now, 
you guys are probably not surprised to hear that I don't love D'Angelo Russell because he's a guy who relies solely on a ton of usage without really being good enough to warrant it. And if you're looking at the Wolves pecking order right now, is he the fourth option? He's the second shot creator because obviously Cat, he's a shot creator just by being big and probably the greatest high volume shooting big man ever. And Gobert is a shot creator by just being huge and around the rim. But like, are we really that sold on D'Angelo Russell being like a featured part of the Wolves? I'm not. And I don't see, I mean, he's a great, great passer, but he just tanks your field goal percentage and doesn't really get that many steals doesn't really get boards. He's he's kind of a usage-driven player, and you guys know that I'm kind of scared off by those. So D'Lo might be great this year. He might get a ton of easy assists with Gobert rim running, and we know that D'Lo had Jared Allen, and that's when D'Lo actually made his all-star game. So um, he might have a good year this year, but he is an expiring contract, and who knows what will happen with him next year and what sort of situation he might end up in. A couple other players um, from the Northwest Division, and but we're going to move over to OKC. I want to talk about Jalen Williams because this guy is awesome. When I was doing my draft profiling, I didn't, I, I just couldn't figure out why Jalen Williams was not higher because he's the type of big wing that plays on and off the ball and can shoot and can defend. And like, why why are we not prioritizing that guy? in early May, early June, whatever it was. But then as we get closer and closer to the lottery and then magically Jalen Williams goes 12th overall, that's awesome. Normally rookies are going to be hard to pry away. But look, if if you haven't done your rookie draft yet, I would not have any problem taking Jalen Williams 10th. He's the type of guy who, I think Vassell was like this a couple of years ago. He's a guy who just does a bunch of things on the floor that's just going to magically turn him into a great nine-cat player. He's just going to be average or above average in everything. He's going to be good enough as a basketball player to be on the floor a bunch. He's going to be closing games. He can play with anybody. And that, that, an opportunity and versatility combined with an actual fantasy friendly game of efficiency, defensive stats, and being able to handle the ball a little bit and create shots for himself and others. He's going to be a great, great fantasy player. I don't know what OKC is going to be. And you guys know that I'm very hesitant to invest heavy resources into OKC players, but this is a guy who does not need high usage to be good. He does not need a ton of just, stuff run for him. He just contributes. He just racks up stuff. He's just a good basketball player. That's a terrible way to describe him. And so reductive, but he's just so, so good. And I love how, how well he fits with this OKC group. And I, I don't think OKC is going to be bad for much longer. Obviously they might try to be bad this year and get one more really, really high pick and, and then start throwing those picks out on like acquiring players and stuff like that. But I just, I really just don't think OKC is going to be bad for two more years. They'll, they'll probably have to do something. And that brings me to a sell for OKC, which should not be a surprise for anybody. And that's Poku. Guys, the only reason I have Poku ranked where I do is, is just because that's what it seems like people are ranking him as. Like, I would have never rostered Poku at the price that it seems like most of you guys were paying, either in startup drafts or in in trades like people are viewing him as like a legit asset and i just i i get the idea i do 
I just can't get on board with him as an actual asset on a team like OKC, who's not, like I said, I don't think they're going to be that bad for that much longer. And a guy like Poku needs to be on a bad team to be able to do what everybody claims he's going to be able to do and be a fantasy monster. Because look, after the trade deadline, Poku was outside the top 175 in 28 minutes a game. That is like, sure, you can say, oh, well, if he gets 32 minutes a game, he's a standard league player. In what universe is Poku going to get 32 minutes a game for a team that just added Jalen Williams, Jalen Williams, Chet Holmgren? They still have Darius Basley. Like, they have way too many guys who are act- who probably are actual good basketball players already and are probably a part of their core. Usman Jiang, too. Like, they just traded three firsts, and I use air quotes for the first because they were so protected they might not actually be first. But still, they were aggressive in trading up to get him, and he's also a project. Like, eventually, there just has to be a line, and I'm at it with Poku. I was never there. I I got the idea, but it was just such a huge leap that I wasn't ready to invest in. So... I guess wait for a stretch of Poku games that are good or wait for a huge G league line, post that in your league's group chat and then try to sell him. But I am just not interested in uh, rostering Poku for much longer. Uh, Let's move on to another sell. And that is Malik Beasley, because I tell you what, there's, there's no clue, no way to tell what is going to be happening in Utah. But I can tell you that Malik Beasley should not be a priority for just about any team to the level that he needs for him to have fantasy value. Travis and I told you guys last year, we even betted in a couple places. It was like, okay, is Malik Beasley going to hit under three and a half threes? It's like, yes, yes, he sure is because there's no reason he should get that much opportunity. He was outside the top 250 in 25 minutes a game. Now, there's no like that's his role. He's not a starter. He's not a for sure starter on any team in the league. He's a shooter. He needs a lot of shots. He doesn't really warrant that many shots. Maybe the the Jazz just let him go wild, and and Malik Beasley gets back to his 33 minutes a game and putting up a top 100 season. But I'm just not interested in rostering him for much longer. You can wait to see what happens with the Jazz if you want. But I just that's just a player that I'm not ever excited about owning a rostering. So let's move down to the Southwest and talk a little bit about the Dallas Mavericks. And they have a couple guys I want to talk about, including Jaden Hardy. Now I've seen some people talk about, it's like, Oh, it's not that big of a deal that they lost Jalen Brunson because they have Spencer Dinwiddie. That's just not the right way to be looking at it. I don't think we know what Spencer Dinwiddie is and it may take a little bit, but we don't know what Jaden Hardy is. Hardy was a top five player heading into this year's draft class and then decided to go play for the G league instead of playing in college. Like that's a huge gap in competition, I think in a different context that does not favor a player like Hardy, who there's a lot of ball sharing going on. The shots are going to be harder to get. Hardy's creating a lot for himself. So his percentage was absolutely terrible. And and in college, like he could have been in a system, he would have been the guy for sure, not sharing with anybody. And Hardy was still kind of the guy over in in the G League, but not to the extent that he would have been in college. And if he did that, he probably was going to be a top ten pick. Like 
he he is that high of a recruit and he has the game he has the flashes and even towards the tail end of his g league season he started to really really step up so i am interested in getting Jaden hardy there's not very many second round picks that i'm excited about but this is one of them and you don't have to pay too much i don't think but you might once the games start going and Jaden Hardy starts getting in there and starts getting comfortable. Cause I just, I don't think Spencer Dinwiddie is the answer. I really don't. I mean, that shouldn't be a surprise, but you know, that's just another inefficient player that requires a bunch of volume that he doesn't really warrant. So there you go. Pretty easy. Moving on Christian Wood. I, I don't know what to do with him. Honestly, he's, he's supposed to be coming off the bench. They they signed JaVale McGee as like a priority signing. I mean, the cost was low. The upside, I guess, is there. But we haven't seen Christian Wood be on a good team at all. He was brought to Houston to play with James Harden, but he had bounced around like seven teams before that. And he even then he barely got the like the mid-level exception type money. Like the league doesn't really value Christian Wood, and that's that's really hard to to deal with for a guy who, again, like he's just he's kind of volume driven. He doesn't really get steals. He doesn't really get blocks. He's not. He's a terrible free throw shooter. He's like single handedly tanks your free throw percentage to the same level as Giannis this past year. He's he's something else. Decent threes, decent points, good boards. He can get some assists, and he's got uh, you know the field goal percentage is. Is good, but not like fantastic. He can have some bad shooting nights because he takes some some threes. But man, I'm just even if Wood does hit in Dallas, it's a perfect spot for him to be at because the the Mavs are going to be so desperate for a second option that Wood's going to get a chance to do that. I am just I would have a huge hesitations of investing heavily into Wood, and if somebody's coming around with a punt free throw and they're interested, I would see what you can do about that. And now a couple other guys in the Southwest division. We're going to talk about the Houston Rockets and Tari Eason. The time to buy him is it's over. It's over with. He was way too good in summer league. He led the entire summer league in rebounds. He's at like 14 a game or something like that. Maybe it was 14 points, 10 boards. Regardless, the absolute monster was all over the place. I love Tari Eason, and I was really surprised that he went where he did. I really kind of wanted to see him on the Bulls, actually, because it would have just been – him and Pat Will on the wing would have been phenomenal. But Eason is another guy, gets steals, gets blocks, decently efficient, gets boards, obviously. And he just doesn't, he's going to fit in very, very well on a team that needs defense. He's going to be out there a bunch and he doesn't need shots to contribute good fantasy value. There is a trend here. Not everybody gets to take the shots. Don't count on the guys who aren't really good enough to warrant those shots, which gets us to. Kevin Porter Jr. as a sell target. I've been selling Kevin Porter Jr. for three years, and yet it seems like his value is about the same. And I guess that that checks out because his opportunity has been about the same in a tanking Houston roster. But man, he hasn't gotten an extension from the Rockets. I don't see him as the future of the point guard position, even if he did close out the year playing well. I'm just, I'm, I am out on KPJ as as a legit legit dynasty asset maybe he'll be good but i'm i'm just not really counting on it i i have just have a hard time with him um he was top 100 last year after the deadline 18 5 6 with a steal three threes 43 percent the field 68 percent of the line like that's a really really good player 
but does he get 25% usage? Does he get 33 minutes per game? I just don't, I don't see that for KPGA. Now, this next one's going to be controversial, I think, because people are drooling over him and losing their minds. And that's Alperin Shingun. I am not saying sell Shingun for just anybody. What I am saying is I've seen people trade away DeAndre Ayton, Jared Allen, Robert Williams, Miles Turner, even guys like Jamal Murray or Shingun. They've even attached some assets to those players in Time Lord's case because of the injury history, which I guess that makes sense. Are we sure that Shingun is a starting big in the league? Are we sure he's going to get 30 minutes a night? Because I'm really not. And that's that might be ignorant. That might like I don't I just don't I don't know. I have this weird feeling about him that it's really hard for me to see him get valued in the top 50. And so if you can get one of those other players who's far more proven, like DeAndre Ayton, I would take DeAndre Ayton in an absolute heartbeat before Shingun. But I have not seen that uh, translated across just about everybody else's teams, which, hey, different strokes, different evaluations, of course. But I just have a hard time seeing Shingun as a featured big on a team. Um, for like an actual good team for a bunch of years in a row. I just, I don't know. For whatever reason, I'm having a hard time with that. Last and certainly not least, a couple guys that all fit in the same bucket. And First off, Devin Vassell. I told you guys to buy him. I told you. We tried to tell you. It's too late. You're not going to be able to do it now. Vassell's going to be close to top 50 in 9-cat this year. And, and Travis and I acquired him for nothing for the last two years. So, Hopefully you listen to that. Next to uh, Dyson Daniels and Trey Murphy. It's also too late to acquire Trey Murphy because of the summer league he had. But maybe somebody out there is like trying to sell high, quote unquote, and we can see what happens. Again, another guy. Last year we thought he would be starting, and then Herb Jones came out of nowhere. But you know, I I will still stand by Trey Murphy as a legit three and D prospect in the league. And that is always going to play Dyson Daniels is a guy. Of course, he's a big guard, six, seven pass rebound, defend can't shoot a lick. So he's right up my alley, but we know how good the Pelicans are at shooting coach. Like, this dude, it's it's unbelievable. This organization does such an incredible job with developing shots, and I have no doubt that Daniels is going to be able to develop a shot. It might not be this year. It might not even be next year, but he is so versatile on and off the ball in transition. With Zion, are you kidding me? I just, it's a guy I want. I just want him. I don't really, it, I might be overpaying, but again, versatile players on and off the ball playing both sides with elite fantasy games. That's just, you can't really do any better than that. Last and certainly not least of the divisions is the Pacific division. Now this one is just kind of stacked. Honestly, you got the Lakers, the Clippers, the Warriors, the Suns, and then the Kings, which the Kings are not included in that stack. But every other every other team, they're, they're so good. And there's a lot of players worth talking about. I can't start with anybody other than Kawhi Leonard and Anthony Davis. I don't know why I have to sell people on buying top 10 per game players. They're so injury prone. I know. I get it. 
the prices for some of these guys, they're so low. They're so, so low. And if it's a head-to-head league, I guess I understand it. But even still, man, like there's just some guys out there that do not want Kawhi and AD on their roster. And you you have to check in to see what the price is because the, that is a league-changing transaction for your team, assuming you're getting value, especially the deeper you go. And obviously that can backfire because the deeper you go, AD is going to be your first or second, maybe third best player if you're really, really good. And that's a that's a geek, that's a killer for a, a deep league and if he goes out with injuries. So like I get the risk there, but man it's tough to find players that are as good as Kawhi and AD. And I think AD is in for a massive, massive season, hopefully taking this off season uh, quite seriously. Another guy that I was pretty active in acquiring in every single one of my leagues is John Wall. We knew a buyout was coming. Like we knew it would be this summer. We knew it wouldn't be before then. And even when it happened, I think I put it on Twitter. I was like, I guarantee you, John Wall is going to take a buyout. He's going to shave off exactly enough to get the whatever contract it is from the Clippers or from like the Celtics or something like that. And that's exactly what happened. I know John Wall's fantasy game isn't fantastic. I do talk about players that are inefficient and need the ball a lot. But I think Wall is good still. And I think that the Clippers are going to need him. And I think they're going to use him very, very well. I would not be surprised to see sort of like 15 points, two threes, two and a half, three rebounds, whatever, but six assists, a steal, and like, you know, 0.6 blocks or something like that. But percentages aren't going to be good, but he's going to be productive. And I think he's going to be able to stay healthy on a Clippers team where he's the third, fourth option. Like we've never seen John Wall in a situation like that. Granted, he hasn't been healthy, but still the price is low and I am acquiring him everywhere if I haven't already. There's a group of players that I'm selling, I guess, and that's every Los Angeles Clippers wing because it's it's unbelievable. Nick Batum came back for a pretty hefty contract. Robert Covington got extended for a pretty decent contract. Norm Powell is still there on a pretty decent contract. You've still got Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, Amir Coffey. I'm sure I'm forgetting. Oh, Marcus Morris. Like Even that I don't think is all of them. There's just way too many wins, and they're going to cannibalize each other. There may be in the consolidation trade at some point. I'd be trying to move Marcus Morris Sr. two years ago, but – Man, I just I don't know who it's going to be, and it's really hard to say buy any of them. It's it's pretty easy to say Rocco because you know his value is steals and blocks, and that's pretty much it. But everybody else, like I don't know if they're going to get playing time to be any good, and that's really really hard to project. Two more guys to talk about here before we close out, and that is DeAndre Ayton and De'Aaron Fox. I'm buying both of these guys. I've been trying to buy DeAndre Ayton all summer as he was supposed to be a pacer. I was just getting ahead of it, trying to trying to get him before uh, before he, he actually did become a pacer and people started uh, giving me the homer tax on top of that. He didn't actually end up coming over, which is fine. But guys, look at DeAndre Ayton's fantasy game these last couple of years. I'm pulling it up as we speak. He's gone down in minutes every single year for the last three, I believe. Like he's, he's been top 40 every year, but he's gone. He's gone from 32 and a half minutes to 30 and a half minutes to 29 and a half minutes, but his scoring has fluctuated and his blocks have gone from 1.5 all the way down to 0.7. And he's still top 40. 
guys, if he can, if he can get up to 1.1, 1.2 blocks, he's going to be into the top 30 easily if he maintains that 17 and 10, which is obviously easier said than done. But he's good. He's on a max. He's on the same team that he got 17 and 10 on last year. The Suns did absolutely nothing to change their team. And I think DeAndre Ayton is being slightly undervalued because he has been consistent across the same level of production, but that consistency has changed. The The final product has been consistent, but the way that he's gotten there has not been consistent. And I think that that means we are in for something to happen with DeAndre Ayton. I don't know if it'll be soon. I, I really don't know. But you can't tell me that the Suns are actually going to play DeAndre Ayton 29 and a half minutes a game. I have a feeling that that might have been something to do with the little contract situation we saw this summer. I don't know. Maybe they just don't like him as their uh, unwillingness to extend him for the max may have uh, suggested. So last, like I said, De'Aaron Fox, this is mostly just a product of he's going to be used more because they forced him to be used more, right? Like they traded Halliburton specifically to put the ball back into Aaron Fox's hands, completely backwards way to do things like, Hey, let's trade the better player so that we can get the worst player back with more opportunity and bringing in Sabonis and Fox. It worked out really, really well to close the season out. Obviously Fox was incredible, but also playing 39 minutes a game, which is unbelievable. Uh, He was top 35 though. So you can't, you can't just ignore that. And we've seen Fox close out the seasons in, in, in that type of way before. I think Fox is good. I think he's a guy, there's a certain level of assists and, steals and points with decent percentages that you just can't get. And you guys know that I love players like that. And so De'Aaron Fox is a buy for me, even with Keegan Murray coming in, he's just going to not play a role because he's not a role player. I think he's going to be very, very good, but Fox is going to have the ball in his hands a lot. The Kings went out of the way to get a bunch of shooting around them. They got in Murray. Like I said, they got Herder. Malik Monk was really good. I mean, Dante DiVincenzo went out, but they didn't have him for that long, and he wasn't that great for them. They didn't even extend him a qualifying offer, I don't think. So that's how that goes. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm just interested in acquiring Fox if I can help it. Obviously, his free throw percentage isn't going to be fantastic, but that's just kind of what you get with a guy like Fox. He he's not great, but he's not going to kill you either. It'll be at about seventy three to 75% on okay volume. So definitely manageable, definitely somebody worth dealing with. Um, I, mostly in a, in a situation where it's like, if I have Paul George, I'm trying to get De'Aaron Fox. Like that's something that I would do. I don't know if I would do like a Jamal Murray for De'Aaron Fox, because we've seen Jamal Murray be very, very good next to Jokic. And we've seen Fox kind of struggle to be a good fantasy player unless or like a, a good well-rounded fantasy player i should say because he's been very very good with points and assists and steals but you know i just kind of like the more versatile player in that that we've seen in a role next to a guy like Jokic. whereas is fox the centerpiece of a team are we sure that's a good idea that we want to bank on that i i don't know for sure. So I'm interested to see how that goes. And I think that will close it out. If you guys haven't already, like I said, please go check out all of these stock watches for each division and each team within that division. Um, I went through 
every team. And there's a lot more players that I did not discuss, but this was just a handful that I wanted to bring up specifically. Um, again, go rate and review the podcast. Really appreciate that. Be sure to tune in whenever we do our uh, dynasty rankings update pod. It'll be coming out in the next probably two or three weeks. Like I said, we're about to have a baby, so I don't know what the heck my life is going to look like. I might just deliriously record a podcast in the middle of the night at one point. And if I do, I'm sorry, but it'll hopefully be entertaining at the very least. So uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter as well at Rhett underscore Bauer. Go get you the fantasy pass. You can see all of my stuff. I have a couple more articles coming out here soon about some dynasty tips and tricks, and then some really, really deep league targets as well that I think are, they might be a little bit obvious because I feel like I talk about them too much when people ask me stuff on Twitter and on Discord and stuff like that. But if you guys haven't, there might be some interesting information in there. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you again next time. 